This is the Doubles Only Tennis Podcast, where you learn the best tips and strategies in the world to help you become a smarter, more effective tennis player. You'll hear interviews with pro tour doubles players and coaches, including easy-to-use lessons to improve your game and win more matches. My name is Will Bocek, founder of the Tennis Tribe, doubles strategy coach, and host of the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Uh, This is going to be kind of an in-between episode. Uh, Last, um, well, earlier this year, I did uh, an episode on three strategy stories from real matches that I had played, and it turns out that that is actually still one of the most popular episodes. Um, I think we've done 30 so far, and it's definitely in the top 10, um, close to the top five. So I thought I would do that again because um, I don't have any interviews lined up for this week. So uh, what I want to share with you is a story from a recent match um, against a particular player who I've played uh, probably three or four times at this point. And um, during the second to last match, I found this adjustment that totally changed the way I play him. I think he beat me the first two times and then I've beaten him the second two times. Uh, And this adjustment, I I attribute a lot of it to this. Um, So I'm going to talk about uh, what that adjustment was, how I think about it, um, in hopes that uh, it should be able to help you um, in one of your matches, because a lot of players uh, return this way, um, which I'll talk about here shortly. Uh, and then after that, I want to talk about um, something I've touched on before, but uh, I'll go in a little bit more depth um, with some new drills and new knowledge that I've gained over the last several months. Uh, And that is um, how to kind of maximize our time on the court. Um, So we will talk about that a little bit later. But first, uh, before I dive into everything, um, we are a few weeks from Indian Wells, and I'm actually going to be going to the tournament. Um, So if anyone listening is going to be there, uh, definitely reach out. I'd love to meet you in person. Uh, You can email me at will at thetennistribe.com. And uh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. We can watch uh, some doubles together. So um, reach out if you'll be at Indian Wells. So to start here, um, let's go through a match I played. This was back in August, um, a couple months ago. And uh, I was playing against a particular player. I've played him several times, like I said. And one thing that I always struggled with against him was holding my serve. And He returned in the ad court, and what he liked to do is he liked to crowd the box, and he would hit a really uh, low return. It would land deep in the court. It would have a lot of pace, and I just had trouble holding my serve against him in that ad court. Um, I would try serving wide to his backhand. I would try serving down the tee, serving into the body, Um, and I just couldn't figure it out. Uh, until my, I think it was my second or third time playing him, uh, what I did is made several adjustments that um, kind of unlocked uh, the um, solution here and, and helped me start to hold serve against him. And, and I think since then, uh, I don't know if I've gotten broken, um, maybe a couple of times in the last two or three matches. But anyways, uh, I'm going to break these down kind of by um each problem. So the first problem was he crowded the box. So he took away 
time. So what that does when you crowd the box is um, it takes away time from my partner at the net. So they're not easily able to poach if we call a poach uh, because the serve lands and right after it lands, he's right on the serve and he's hitting it uh, and it crosses the net much quicker versus uh, if the player is returning from a lot further back, my partner at the net has a lot more time to read both the serve uh, as well as the returner. So um, he crowded the box. So what we did to fix that is uh, worked on direction and worked on placement. So in a previous episode, uh, I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it was um, how to make in-match adjustments. I've talked about all these variables we can kind of tweak and adjust on the doubles court. Um, so one of those is direction. So where do we um, where do we hit the ball? Uh, another one is um, placement in terms of depth. So are we hitting it short or are we hitting it deep? Uh, and then we've also got spin. We've got height. Uh, and then we can also adjust our own positioning on the court. So do we move forward? Do we move backwards? Uh, do we move left? Do we move right? Uh, and so on. So there's all these variables we can play with. And when someone's crowding the box like this, uh, direction is really important. So trying to hit a uh, a wide angle or uh, beat a person like this down the tee is kind of difficult because with them crowding the box, they're kind of taking away your angles. Um, it's the same reason you might uh, rush the net against someone if if they have a short ball because you're trying to take away their angles. So um, what we did is I started serving to the person's body. Um, and because he's crowding the box, I also really focused on depth. So I didn't necessarily need a really fast pace serve because he didn't struggle with pace. I didn't need a wide serve, a T-serve. I wanted to stay in the body so that we could kind of jam him. Uh, and because he was crowding the box, if that lands short in the box, it gives him a little more time to react on that return and makes it a lot easier. So focusing on depth and getting that serve uh, in the last kind of third within two or three feet of the service line makes the serve jump up and kind of get onto him a little bit faster uh, than if it lands shorter in the box. So Next time you see somebody crowding the box like that, really focus on uh, depth and serving into their body. Uh, the other problem we ran into is he hit the ball really low over the net. So this is another problem for my partner if he's trying to poach. Uh, it's a problem for me if I'm trying to serve in volley. Um, it's going to be a much more difficult volley uh, if he hits it low over the net and it drops down to my knees or my ankles. Um, so to counter that, because he's hitting it low over the net, uh, what we did is we went, um, we did eye formation and I just had my partner typically uh, move to his left. So that way we were forcing the down the line return. And because he hits the ball so low, now he's hitting down the line over a higher part of the net. So it may not have gotten a lot more return errors, but it might have gotten two, three, four per set, um, which can be all the difference uh, in a set for sure. So um, when he is hitting low, we raise the net by forcing him to hit down the line. The last thing that I talked about is he was hitting deep. So he hit with a lot, he hit low, but he hit with a lot of pace. So the ball landed pretty deep in the court. So if I served and stayed back, uh, he immediately had me on my heels. Uh, and a lot of times he could get it to my backhand side because he hit with so much pace. I didn't have time to run around it and hit a forehand. 
So with somebody hitting really deep returns like that, uh, the solution is to shorten the court on them. So uh, it's the same thing. We went I had my partner move left a little bit. Um, if you're not comfortable with I, you can try Australian formation uh, where your uh, partner stands on the left side of the center service line um, and then you cover the right. So you'll want to start your serve from uh, really close to the center of the court so you, you can get over there. Um, and that also made it a little bit easier on me because I had a forehand from the back of the court. Um, but what that did, uh, most importantly, again, is it shortened the court. So if we take a return that lands, say, three feet inside the baseline uh, and him hitting that ball cross court, if he hits that same return down the line, and let's assume it does get over the net, uh, that ball is going to land a little bit out. So um, if you ever remember um, taking your protractor uh, in geometry in, in middle school or high school, uh, and you take the protractor and kind of take it in an arc from, um, if you can imagine the cross court position all the way to the down the line position, it's going to land out. So anyways, um, those are the three things we did. So serving into the body, uh, serving with depth, and then using I formation or Australian formation to force the down the line return. Uh, and then the last thing is he he really blocked the returns back, which most people who crowd the box do. Um, so this is going to be a little bit hard to visualize, but if you can imagine you are the line judge calling the serve, um, you're sitting on the, uh, the service line, you're calling the serve long or you're calling it in. So you're the line judge, you have the side profile view, and you're watching this person return and he's moving forward, starting to crowd the box. And when somebody does that, they kind of have to block the return back. So they will shorten up their backswing. They're going to have a really abbreviated follow through, and they're just going to block the return back. And, and he returned and volleyed most of the time. So when someone does that, uh, their window to hit the return is quite small. So to counter that, what we can do is tr change the trajectory of the serve. So... If you can imagine you're sitting in that position, looking uh, on the service line, you see the serve land. Let's assume it's a flat serve. The trajectory of that serve is going to land, and then it's going to have a pretty shallow uh, incline up to the opponent's racket before they make contact on that return. Now, if you can imagine a kick serve, it's going to land, and it's going to have a much steeper path up to the opponent's racket. So if we're able to hit a kick serve and change the trajectory of the serve against someone who crowds the box like that, they're going to have a lot more trouble timing that return because the, the margin for error and the window that the ball is in their strike zone, say between their, uh, their knees and their chest, think about it like maybe a baseball strike zone, uh, the amount of time that it's in between there for a kick serve is a lot less than a flat serve or a slice serve, for example. So not only did we hit body serves and we focus on depth, but we tried to get a little bit better arc on the serve by hitting more kick serves and focusing on that trajectory. So there's a lot of different variables there that we played with and figured out um, kind of a combination of these to uh, come up with a good solution to hold serve against this guy. So um, think about that next time you're out on the court. Um, Definitely the net player should be the one reading all of this 
and notice, you know, are they crowding the box? Do they step forward? Um, can you rush the forehand return? Is the backhand return a little bit better? And you can play with all these variables and figure out what the best combination is for each returner. So uh, hopefully that helps you. Um, if you have any questions, leave them uh, in the comments um, in the show notes. You can always find that at thetennistribe.com uh, slash podcast, uh, all the episode, um, all the episodes in the show notes there. Um, so next I wanted to talk about another match, uh, several weeks later, um, when, uh, my partner and I actually, we got crushed. Uh, we lost this match. Um, I think it was Owen two. Uh, I got really frustrated. I actually, um, embarrassingly, I did crack one of my rackets, uh, cause I was so mad. Um, on the court. Uh, and that was probably the first time I've done that in two or three years, but um, I was able to let it go and, and kind of play a little better the rest of the match, but still it was 0-2. So we got we got beat pretty bad. Um, and what had happened is I had just come back from a, uh, a two-week vacation um, in Alaska, which is uh, great, by the way. I highly recommend that. But um, I... I didn't feel that bad uh, in terms of how well I was playing. Uh, I felt like I was still serving okay, still hitting my ground strokes okay, um, still volleying okay, but everything was just slightly worse, maybe 5% worse. So it, it kind of got me thinking about, um, you know, again, and I've talked about this in the past, how small the margins are in tennis. Um, nothing felt terrible, but everything was a little bit worse, and it made a significant difference because... Um, I, I've played both of these players before. Um, I've beaten both of them. They've beaten me in previous matches too. So um, it's a relatively even matchup regardless. But 0-2 um, seemed uh, a little bit um, lopsided for uh, what I would expect. Um, so anyways, everything felt a little bit worse. And it got me thinking how to kind of maximize my time on the court. And, you know, obviously we... Um, most people listening to this, I would imagine are, you know, we're recreational, um, maybe competitive, but we, we don't play tennis for a living. So how can we take this balance? You know, we're not going to not take our vacations. Um, if we have off time, um, you know, we're not going to be playing tennis three times a week, every single week for the rest of our lives. It's tough. We want to live our lives too. So how do we maximize the time we do have on the court? Um, and there was a few things that felt off for me in that match. And I wanted to talk about those and how um, I'm going to approach this going forward uh, when I, I do take some time off. So one thing that felt off was my feel. So this would include any uh, lobs, any um, kind of touch volleys, uh, any short balls where I was trying to kind of scoop it or uh, guide something up the line, um, you know, any sort of feel shots. And I was curious, how can I maximize my feel without having to uh, play 10 matches in a, in a, a given month? Um, so uh, one way to do this, I, I think, is to maximize the number of touches you get on the ball. So um, let's say uh, in this case, I took a vacation I had been back for one week. I only got to play twice because I got rained out once. Um, and let's say it was an hour and a half each time I played. So I got three hours of prep time uh, total in the week leading up to this match. So what should I be doing with that hour and a half um, in each of those sessions? So 
to maximize touches, uh, we're probably not going to be playing a doubles match. Um, in a doubles match, let's say you touch the ball 70 times in an hour. Um, if we can do one-on-one hitting or if we can do some fast-paced drills, we might be able to touch the ball 140 times, double that in an hour, um, maybe even more than that. I'm making these numbers up. I'm not sure what they are. But regardless, we want to maximize the number of touches we get on the ball. Um, so a few ways we can do that. Again, drills, hitting one-on-one. Um, one drill that uh, Jorge Capistani in the previous episode mentioned um, that I've added to my game uh, in the last few weeks since hearing him talk about it uh, is called the Cuban Davis Cup drill. Um, and if you didn't listen to that episode, go back and listen to it. Uh, it's um, already one of the most popular episodes uh, of all time. Uh, actually, I think it's up to number one now um, in only two weeks. So uh, definitely go back and listen to that one. That's a great episode. Uh, so the Cuban Davis Cup drill, uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but essentially, you are feeding from just inside the baseline uh, to an opponent cross court. And then you uh, follow the feed into the net and you play the point out cross court. So you're working on your net game. The other player's working on their baseline game against a net player. Um, You get to work on your half volley and you get a lot of touches uh, on the volleys. Um, And you can do that same drill where maybe you have to get five or 10 balls in a row in before you play out the point so that you maximize touches even more. You can kind of get creative like that. Uh, another drill is that's good is the Romanian Davis Cup drill. Um, so with that one, you are just hitting touch volleys from the service line. Both players are moving to their right, and then they come back around to their left, uh, all while you're hitting volleys. Um, I'll link to that video uh, in the show notes as well, but I've talked about that um, on some previous episodes. Uh, and then just rallying cross court, just getting in a rhythm cross court. Um, I've talked a lot more recently about just winning that cross court battle. Um, in doubles, you get in a lot of those cross court rallies, um, especially if you're not a player who does like to come to the net as much. Uh, and if you're able to tilt that edge and win that cross court rally, then um, the odds of you winning the match go way up. So uh, just practice your rallies cross court, focusing on depth, moving the ball around. Uh, getting a lot of touches and getting that feel down. Um, So that's one way we can maximize our time on court, focusing on feel. Uh, Another thing that felt off for me in this match um, was footwork. And that's a really important one because no matter how my feel is, if I'm not getting in position for the ball, um, everything else is going to feel wrong. And uh, I remember telling my partner that during the match, I, there's just so many volleys that were, Um, easy volleys and I I could feel myself trying to get in position and and my mind kind of knowing what to do, but my feet just wouldn't cooperate. Um, So how can we maximize some good footwork patterns and good footwork drills? Um, One is going to be to play matches, Uh, play doubles matches. That's going to help. Actually, I think playing singles matches will improve your footwork even faster because uh, you're going to have to cover a lot more of the court. Um, and then that also help your feel a lot more. So you'll be getting a lot more touches in a singles match. So um, even if you are prepping for a doubles match, if you don't have a lot of time and you need to maximize your time, uh, you might actually avoid playing um, doubles matches altogether and instead play singles matches and hit one-on-one. 
uh, and you can still replicate uh, a lot of doubles points with some of those drills we talked about. So um, that's one thing you can do. Uh, and then hitting one-on-one with those drills, um, the Cuban Davis Cup drill is great. Uh, and then practicing shadow doubles. Um, Steve Smith talked about that uh, a couple episodes ago where you're playing out doubles points cross court. Imagine the center service line extends all the way to the uh, that hash mark um, on the baseline uh, and just call balls in and out um, along that imaginary line. So uh, playing out those points cross court will help you um, improve a lot and kind of maximize your time there as well. Uh, and then the last thing, and I can't stress these two enough, um, serves and returns. It's probably the most important part of uh, doubles uh, as well as singles. Um, so making sure you are getting out there, hitting plenty of serves, um, setting up your targets, focus on depth with your second serve, uh, first serves, focus on your accuracy, hitting close to those lines if you can. Um, depending on your skill level, you might focus on just hitting it you know, to the left half and the right half of the box, or maybe you're focus on, focusing on um varying up your speeds, your spins, um, hitting it a lot closer to the line. So um, do what works best for you, but definitely focus on a lot of serves and then also returns. Um, have a hitting partner hit plenty of return or plenty of serves to you so you can practice your returns, uh, hitting them solid cross court um, to get the point started because missed returns are uh, definitely something to avoid in doubles. Um, and then um, with that, again, like I said, playing shadow doubles is going to help there as well. So uh, that's it for this episode. Hopefully some of this um, you can kind of take away and think about um, and help you in your next match. And again, if any of you are going to Indian Wells, uh, reach out to me and let me know. I'd love to meet you. Um, and we will have another uh, interview episode coming up in the next couple of weeks. If you're a doubles player, you'll love our weekly doubles newsletter. Every Thursday, we send you doubles tips and strategies to help you improve your game and become a smarter player. When you sign up, you'll get a free 10-page guide on how to play with more confidence and dominate at the net in doubles. You can go to thetennistribe.com to sign up now.